Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the right time. Away Sports and Entertainment original presented by Prize Picks. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, like, rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars, I'm inclined to believe. You are a hater. It was a Super Bowl. Sean, does it sound like I spent a week in Las Vegas? Uh, it sure does, and, and my voice is not doing any better. We all chance the fates, man. Like, we got there Tuesday. We left on Saturday. That was doing the most. I've, I've never spent that much time in Vegas in my life. Yeah, I mean, at least I stayed long enough at the end to get some of my money back. Like, it was a lot of fun, but I do have to say, but like, like once, once I got on that plane, I was just like, I can't believe I was there this long. I cannot believe I was there for this long. It was people that was there for long. Oh, whew, my goodness. I can't imagine what it was like Saturday night, because by Friday, it started to crack a lack in a way that wasn't always entirely comfortable. It, it, it took a significant change Friday night, Saturday, where I was like, this is extremely too many people. And every Uber driver I got in the car with was like, you know, we're supposed to have half a million people in town and i was like i don't that, that's insane that number felt low to be perfectly honest right but it, it, it was it was a good time in las vegas as you could tell from us leaving on saturday we didn't go to the game like largely because the game is a television production and so it is better for us in doing our jobs to talk to you from here than to have actually been in that stadium and then quite honestly if i stayed in that place for another 36 hours i'm not sure i would have lived like i'm, I'm not sure i would have made it out of there um in one single whole piece i can't promise you but what we had was a super bowl um i don't know if we can call it a very good super bowl i think that this is perhaps the worst super bowl to have if you were here in our media business and what made it a bad super bowl to have in our media business is like sean do you have any way that you would describe it i i don't i i I know what word you're looking for, but I, I can't really describe it. I don't know how you know what word I'm looking for, because I don't know what word I'm looking for, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Like, it was not it was not a great game. Like, a friend of the program sent a text and was like, look, man, this game is kind of wearing me out, right? Like, it was not, it was not a top-notch football game, but it wasn't because anybody played poorly. I didn't find anybody to be, like, uniquely disappointing in any sort of way. Um, we got an overtime game, but I have to be honest, I did not find the overtime element of it to be particularly suspenseful. I felt like I had a pretty good idea how the thing was going to ultimately go, though I guess there was a measure of suspense uh, when the 49ers were marching down there close because I thought that it was possible that they could score a touchdown, but I knew good and damn well that when the Chiefs got the ball, they was going to score a touchdown because that was Jordan over there. we get back to that part uh, in a minute, but I just thought it was a football game with the largest stakes that's probably the way that i would describe it yeah like nobody had a like definitive standout performance i mean it was really shaping up such that so let's say that the 49ers had kicked a field goal in on that first overtime drive and then for whatever reason the chiefs went down the other way and did not score and the 49ers won Sean, do you have a compelling argument against uh, Jawan Jennings for Super Bowl MVP? Because I feel like Jawan Jennings would have been the Super Bowl MVP or should have been the Super Bowl MVP of the 49ers in one. I agree. I think he did the most for that team. I mean, he's always been a great blocking receiver, but he scored and was clearly the only impact player outside of maybe McCaffrey. Threw a touchdown, caught a touchdown. That that right there, that's that that sound like Super Bowl MVP to me. That's what I would think that he would have been it. But again, not that he had some earth shattering level of performance. Even Mahomes, I would say, did not necessarily have on one level. He didn't have that. The thing about Mahomes that'd be easy for us to forget sometimes that dude put up an easy 66 yards on the ground easy 66 yards my buddy nick who was more invested in extolling the virtues of patrick mahomes than anybody else on planet earth 
He does make the point, though, that Mahomes is maybe the most effective runner that we've ever seen play quarterback. And I thought about that uh, as it was getting down, like when they had the fourth down in overtime and as they were getting closer to the goal line. The best cop I have for what it was like to watch him there, a football cop, not going right to the Jordan cop, but a football cop, it felt like Vince Young in the Rose Bowl, which is to say at no point in that game against USC on any of those late plays or any of those fourth downs, never, ever did I think they are going to stop him. It was what fourth down and whatever I want to say from the 12-yard line. And I knew right then and there, all right, they about to score. Like a touchdown is going to be the end result here. Nobody is ever supposed to look in the NFL like Vince Young looked in college. It's never, ever, 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 ever supposed to be that. And I do think that that was what this was. Because one thing about Vince in that Rose Bowl game, Vince in that Rose Bowl game was not like watching Michael Vick in that Sugar Bowl, where it was just, I can't believe what this is that I'm seeing, right? It was more about being really, really effective. And it was a lot of nickel and dime passing. It's like, okay, if you're going to shut this down, then I will get us every first down that we have to get in order to win this game. Like, if that's what we got to do, okay, cool. Now, of course, it's a bit different because for the Chiefs and the 49ers, that game was 22 all, or what was it, 19 all going into overtime, where it was a 40, what was it, 42 to 38 or whatever it was in that Rose Bowl game, right? Like, that game had a lot more points. But, hey, man, my man Till hit me with He was right. It was Jordan. And just like, yo, we go into the block. We go into the post every play. Every play. We're just going to take that ball down to the block and let's see what you got for it. Can you do anything about that? And when you give Mike the ball at the block, you know what it's going to be. Mike go shoot that fadeaway. Ain't really nothing you can do about that fadeaway. All you can do is play very good defense. You play very good defense and hope that it works out. That was where the 49ers were. That's what the 49ers had to do. Just hope that you play the best defense that you can, and maybe Jordan will miss. Hey, Jordan had an interception. He had that one miss. But that's it, man. But I say that this game was, like, not good for the people in our business because I've been watching some television around this, and you can tell they tried hard to find, like, the compelling things to talk about and, like, the, the, the fulcra. Is it fulcra? I feel like it's fulcra. Fulcrums, whatever it is. Fulcra. I feel like full crust should be the answer. But anyway, let's try to find that thing that you can use to turn this into a discussion about something else. Perhaps a discussion about something larger. And Sean, I'm telling you, I've been trying. I ain't got it. Yeah, there's a lot of forced narratives this week and, and probably the week. I mean, the week before and now this week, it's just going to be a lot of forced narratives about that 49ers team and I think the big story is their lack of understanding of the OT rules, too. Yeah, yeah, no, but it's like, I did think that was interesting, that they apparently, as players, did not know what the overtime rules were. They didn't know how it went in this form of fashion. Like, that, that, ugh, that does not look good for the 49ers. I will say that. That part does not look good. I would also like to point out that the dude from Harvard said that he ain't know the rules. And I got to be honest, Sean, that's the first time I'd heard that check dude talk before. And uh, let's just say... He should tell people he went to Harvard all the time because I'd have never believed that shit otherwise. Would you have? I, no, I, literally, I thought the same thing. Yesterday was the first time I heard him speak. And I was like, this guy doesn't, this guy went to Harvard? Yeah, yeah. I never would have known, man. Like, I, I, I never, I never would have had no idea that he went to Harvard. Though, to be honest, I feel the exact same way about Ryan Fitzpatrick. They just told us he went to Harvard all the time, maybe because he was a quarterback. We saw Ryan Fitzpatrick at the party the other night. It didn't feel like Harvard showed up in the spot. No, it's, it felt it felt like everything, like a community college. No offense to him. Yeah, but. yeah, I don't know. Like, I just I didn't necessarily assume that. But yeah, all them cats are just out there saying that they didn't know the rules. Okay, like, I, I hear the people. Like, I leave the impressions on that to the players. Right. If players say that that is an indictment or damning, then I am inclined to believe that that is an indictment or that that is damning. Um, I don't outside of the fact that I think that if I were Shanahan, I would have handed the ball off more. Um, I don't have anything really necessarily bad to say about him. I don't feel like whatever is in dispute about Brock Purdy. Right. Like whatever there is for us to figure out about him. I don't feel like it was settled in that game. Do you? Right. Like I thought. He was, I thought he was, I didn't think he was bad. He didn't do anything, I would say, to cost them anything. I will say that 
his size, I thought, proved to be an issue and that when he seemed to be the most affected is when the Chiefs just had a rush straight up the middle. And that's the thing about having a not very big quarterback. When that rush was up the middle, he didn't have nothing really that he could do. But this wasn't a, see, I told you he wasn't good or a, see, that's one of the 10 best players in the league type game. All right, am I tripping? No, it's it, the, the same narrative probably will continue for Brock Purdy. He's a slightly above average quarterback. The game manager thing, sure, but you know, you, you're totally right on his physicality. And you see it on the other side with Mahomes, who was slightly bigger and was able to escape the pocket and make these runs for crucial moments of the game. Yeah, I got into a fight with people on the internet the day before about Travis Kelsey. And it's wild because, like, I've tried to make the point that I think Travis Kelsey is a Hall of Famer. They want me to say he's definitively a Hall of Famer as if I get to decide that shit. Right? Like, that's what that's that's my, my issue with it is. I'm not talking about whether he should or shouldn't get in. I'm just telling you, I don't trust those people. I don't know what they're going to do. I think he will get in, but I don't trust those people. I said Julio Jones is probably a Hall of Famer. I think he'll get in, but I don't trust those people. The thing I hold against both of those guys, by the way, is the low number of touchdown passes, but neither here nor there. But I got into the back and forth with people about that. I said that Gronk was better than Travis Kelsey, and I'm sorry, fellas. I did not know that that was a controversial opinion. It blows my mind. But my point was, and this is important, Gronk for the Patriots was not just the guy in the sense of he's the best receiver that we have. He's the guy like, yo, that big motherfucker will run past you and two other people, right? Like, what are we going to do about that guy as opposed to, damn, there that guy goes again, moving the chains. Like, Gronk, Gronk was just a different animal from anybody who has ever played that position, as far as I can tell. He is number one. You can have whatever discussion you want to have about number two. Travis Kelsey moves those chains. Great to have. He's really, really good at the things that he does. But he ain't Gronk because no dude that plays that position is Gronk. And so what's happened over the course of time is like somebody sent this in my mentions because that's what they want to do. Because I said that Travis Kelsey was not a guy capital G, capital U, capital Y, in the way that Gronk was a capital G, capital U, capital Y. And a guy sends me something that says 113 catches for 1,271 yards and 13 touchdowns in Travis Kelsey's last 13 games. And the guy says that looks like the guy stat line. The touchdowns do look very impressive. There's no way around that. Otherwise, what you're talking about there is 11 yards a catch. You understand what I'm saying, right? Like, it's 11 yards a catch. 11 yards a catch is not setting the world on fire. 11 yards a catch for me is not capital G, capital U, capital Y territory. And in this game, what did Travis Kelsey give you? Nine catches, 93 yards, right? And look, them nine catches mattered. That big one at late, that 22-yard to get him, help get him to overtime, it mattered. But that's what I'm saying about him, at least in the way that I look at it. That guy to me is not the guy that you say is the greatest tight end of all time. But what you can say is he a tight end that got three championships for the role that he plays for the team that he is on, right? It is possible to stop from saying that somebody is in a certain sphere of all-time greatness without that being some sort of issue, without that being some sort of slight. But hey, Sean, I, don't, I mean... You ain't that you ain't that young. You remember this Gronk thing. That Gronk thing was just something different. No, you made a you made such a good point uh, on one of your tweets about how we never discussed how there was a lack of wide receiver one for that Patriots team with Gronk because Gronk was the guy. Where the entire conversation this year was, whoa, the Chiefs don't have a wide receiver one. When it should have been Kelsey. Yeah. Like what are the what are they gonna do after Tyreek Hill leaves? And that included last year. And Kelsey kind of stepped up on it, but you ain't had that question because Gronk. Gronk had 90 catches and 18 touchdowns in his age 22 season. His problem, obviously, was just the ability to stay healthy, right? And it's wild because Gronk started so young and Kelsey has gone late. They're basically about the same age, but I think now have played the same number of seasons in the NFL. But either way it goes, I bring that up here because you didn't even wind up with like some off-the-charts Travis Kelsey performance. Mahomes so damn good that he throws for 333 yards and runs for 66. And we're like, oh, it just kind of felt like another day at the office of Patrick Mahomes. But hey, I want to send a shout out to a very important dude, Featherstone. Featherstone. Actually, I got to remember the Chiefs got like two Featherstones. They got both, but both Featherstones kind of came through with it. Although, Featherstone number one, uh, Sean, you saw when he had the forward progress, he tried to lose the game running backwards. You remember that? I, I can't believe he redeemed himself. 
it was like this, literally the next play. He had a he had a catch for like eight yards, made these yards back. But that forward progress, I was like, this is probably it for the Chiefs after seeing that. Yeah, I would have sent him to his room and made him think about what he did. But uh, Miko Hardman, who who got an, another feather stone, he he got the Super Bowl winning catch, and he had the fifty yard catch. Yeah, former Jet. Who would have thought? Yes, that's right. That's right. He couldn't get on the field. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, man. Mahomes out here making it happen with the dudes the Jets don't want. You think about that for a second. The Jets like five. The, 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 Jets, the Jets dropped that CeeLo Green on them. You can have them, goddammit, if you want it that bad. We don't even need him, right? Just pass him on down the line. Mahomes like, I'll make it work. Mahomes, the dude that when, uh, when Featherstone dropped that pass early this year and was like, yeah, you know, I could have thrown it a little bit shorter and then he would have caught it. Like, he has figured that out. This is what he has got to do. Like, I had a situation once on a project that I was working on and I felt like the person I was doing that with wasn't really bringing it and I was not handling it well and they came and told me to be nice and I just was like come on man are you serious and they told me hey I ain't never seen that dude be better but I have seen you be nicer that's what they asked Patrick Mahomes to do all year long that's what they hit him with they just like hey man look you know he gonna be Featherstone no matter what Right? We can change the name on the jersey. He's still going to be Featherstone and his soul. You're going to have to be the one to go out here and figure it out. And he went out there and he figured it out. Right? Also, shout out to that Chiefs defense. Because, I mean, this really was one of those where the defense has carried them. Chiefs also, hey, man, you got to be a boss kicker when they let you get up on the stage after they won the Super Bowl. Did you peep that? Insane. I, I don't know if that's ever happened outside of maybe Vinatieri, but I mean, the the dude went out there and did his thing. He has now the longest field goal in a Super Bowl record. Hey, I feel like we need to send a shout out to that Moody kid, man. He had the longest field goal in a Super Bowl history for about what 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think that that thing turned completely around the other way just that quick, like just that quick. That thing turned around. Um, but yeah, that was it. Like, I just felt like it was a football game. I just don't have anything like supremely defining, supremely memorable. There's like, it didn't change my mind about anything. And oh, this is what we could talk about, Sean. Did you hear my man, uh, Tony Romo? He threw that Jordan out there. Like, I feel like we, the right time, been ahead of the curve on this Jordan thing. And people talk crazy to me about this. But what more do you need to see before you recognize this man, Jordan? The, the comparisons are there. I'm just asking. What, what, what is it that people are looking for? And part of why I make this Jordan comparison, and this is important for people to understand where I'm coming from, is I remember my dad, by like 88 or 89, was like, this is, this is the greatest player I've ever seen. You don't need to see everything all the time. Like, we've seen, you know, it's like that dude, Sean, you know that dude on Twitter that when the elections be over, he ain't wait for every vote, he ain't gotta wait for every vote all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like 65% of the precincts are in. I've seen enough. This is what it is, right? When Mahomes at this point, it's like they just closed the polls in California. I know who's getting those electoral votes. And I, I I know they I know I know which way that was going. And who knows? Something could happen. Mahomes get hurt. I don't know what it is. But what I've seen from him in this stretch to me, and this is where I come from here, okay? Peak greatness matters more than anything else. Peak greatness. Longevity, wildly overrated to me. Peak greatness. When I'm talking about, in fact, longevity is overrated to me when I'm talking about who is like the greatest of all time. And when I think about what makes you the greatest of all time, it is you at your greatest. And if you have an ability to sustain that level of greatness, then I'm here to have the discussion, okay? Mahomes being as great as he has been for six years, let alone his first six years as a starter, but just six years in general is unreal, okay? This starts with 5,000 yards and 50 touchdown passes. Like, that's where it begins. And then gradually getting to this point, we're recognizing, you know, I can't even really do it like that anymore. We got to go out here and we got to run. We got we to gotta run a little more four corners, right? We got to move that ball around a little bit more. We just can't be out here playing like we was playing before. And still getting it done. Still getting it done, right? A loss in a Super Bowl and two losses in overtime. Those are the three losses that Patrick Mahomes has had in the postseason. On the other side, 
three Super Bowls with three Super Bowl MVPs. And in all three cases, definitely was the Super Bowl MVP. He's Jordan doing it and doing things unlike anything that you have ever seen before doing it in ways unlike anything that you have ever seen before and now doing it with a bunch of dudes because the thing about Jordan is this you can say what you want about that second three P but the argument that people make against him that is not the worst in the world is look at the competition that he faced in the postseason deep into it and the competition that he faced in the NBA finals and how good or good those teams were or were not. Fair point. Counterpoint. He was out there on a team with the second best player was Scottie Pippen. That's right. I said it. The second best player was Scottie Pippen. That's what Jordan was out here doing. Jordan's so good, Scottie Pippen in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's right. Jordan's so good, Scottie Pippen is in the Hall of Fame. That's, that's where he's at, Okay. Mahomes is that guy. You look at the receivers, post Tyreek Hill in particular. He's that dude, man. He's everything. I don't, I, will he ever amass the resume of Tom Brady? I don't have an answer for you on that. Because the thing that's wild about Tom Brady is this. I said this about like the Tiger Woods comparison to Mahomes or just think about Tiger Woods, Okay. When we're talking about whether or not he would get to 18 majors, what's so wild about getting to the 18 majors is that Jack Nicholas had to win the 18th. The 18th major was the 86, 86 Masters where he came back. He hadn't won a major in six years before that or whatever it is. But to get to that one, he had to pull one straight out of his keister. And Tiger Woods, that last one that he won was the one that he pulled straight out of his keister. Tom Brady went... 10 seasons without winning a Super Bowl, right? It's the 05 season through the 13 season. So that's nine seasons. That's nine straight seasons that he had without a Super Bowl. And what was stunning about that is that he came back on the back end of that and won how many more? 14, 16, 18, 20. Won four more on the back end. That's nuts. Nuts. Okay? Like, if Patrick Mahomes was Tom Brady, he'd have these three at this point in his career and could not win nine more, and that would still be on the same pace as a Tom Brady. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's what's so unreal about Brady is that all the ones that were won, they were in such different ways from the first run through the second run and what was asked of him. And the strangest part, when he was the best player that he was, which was from that 05 to 13 stretch, that's the best Tom Brady. That's the Tom Brady with the undefeated season. That's the Tom Brady that without Randy Moss, I want to say either had 37 touchdowns and four interceptions or 39 touchdowns and four interceptions. I want to say that was the 2010 year. But that version of Tom Brady didn't win any. Like all kinds of things could happen here in the evolution of how this rolls where Mahomes goes. For me, I'm not doing this just by checking off accomplishments. I'm not using what's written down on paper. I'm going to do a little something called thinking for myself. And for me, that guy is Jordan. That's who that dude is. That is the best quarterback that I have ever seen. That guy is Michael Jordan, period. So, Sean, I got to tell you a secret. I kind of forgot how the show works. And I had been stretching out that last segment, feeling like I needed to get us farther and farther and farther along, you know, and then realized I looked at the clock and was like, shit, I could have wrapped that up five, six, seven minutes ago. And we still got the, you know, the, the, the halftime show to talk about. We have yeah, three, yeah, if you yeah, yeah, heard yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was great, Bo. You, you, you pushed through. Yeah, I did. I made every, I made my life a lot harder than it had to be. I'm holding the people here a little longer. Like I really looked up and was like, Damn, I still got Vegas brain, baby. Time is no object, right? I'm still there. Anyway, we got the halftime show from your boy Usher. And are you an Usher? Are you an Usher guy, Sean? Um, I wouldn't say I'm an Usher guy, but I know uh, that he has hits, and I do know a lot of his songs by word. Yeah. So Usher, for me, is interesting because I'm of a very particular age. Usher is around my age. Usher, like I went to college in Atlanta, and Usher is Atlanta-ish. 
Like Usher out here acting like he was the first dude to ever put off for Atlanta, and he need to sit his pointy headed ass down. That is that. Like ain't ain't that. Come on, get out of here. He he started putting on the Atlanta after everybody else had long been putting on Atlanta, and then he showed up like, oh yeah, y'all know I went to school here, right? Chill out, homie. He wrong about that. But anyway, um, so the thing about Usher that I kind of had to shake was like. I went to college with so many people who made up stories about how Usher got beat up at their high school one time because he showed up to holler at the girls and the dudes ran up on him. And I was 17 years old, so I wasn't sophisticated enough to recognize that all these people were telling the same story just at a different school, which meant that probably all of them were lying. But we were of the age of those things not only seeing plausible, but old dancey ass motherfucker. That would be exactly the person that we would be talking about that way. You know, like I ain't never I ain't never really been here for these old dancey ass motherfuckers. That ain't never been my speed. That's not this is this was in the height of the hip hop thing, too, man. This is about hip hop that don't nobody ever talk about. Hip hop completely. How, how did how did an entire genre decide that singing made you whack? We just decided anybody that was singing was whack. Singing and, and singing and dancing and dancing. Nah, nah, nah. We decided that all of y'all was whack. Old singers, they was fine. Al Green and them, that was cool. That wasn't so much of an issue. But any new dude that was out here and still singing and dancing, we was really not like trying to hear that. It's so interesting for me now to see dudes who are my age who talk about how they big Usher fans. I'm like, where the hell were you in 1999? Because you sure wasn't saying that out loud in the dorm. I ain't walked past not now one of y'all playing no Usher tape in the room. Yeah, it's not only the singing and the dancing. It's it's. I feel like the dancing with the headset you know, that hip hop was like, nah, oh, the, the, the old Navy joint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nah, man. Like, I just I'm just saying like something changed there or whatever. But you know what I'm saying? I saw um, I saw Usher that, you know, the show that he'd been doing. I saw him do that. And I just don't take Usher seriously. Right. Like, I just I don't I, I don't I don't find him as somebody. That's just me. He is not a person. I don't find him serious. I don't find his music to be particularly serious. And I think we'd all agree about this. He got a lot of silly, silly, silly ass music. All right. The the OMG, that's a silly little song. Um, what you call it? The good kisser, love in the club, era usher. That's some silly music, man. And when he was doing them shows for the residency, he doing the whole show because ain't nobody tell him like, hey, dog, you don't have to do this no more. You know what I'm saying? We understood you were trying to figure out how to grow up and stay young at the same time. You ain't got to do these songs no more. You ain't got to break them out in concert. And that's why his Super Bowl set was off the chain because he ain't have time to play all them silly songs in their totality. He could only sing out a little bit of it. He was out there doing a little dancing, brought a couple people out, people that, to be honest, I like a little bit more than him. I thought his set was great. I think it was one of the better sets in the last couple of years. I, I the internet has been loving Jermaine Dupree showing up, uh, which in, in his hilarious getup. My homeboy asked why he was dressed like Shirley Temple. <laughs> I mean, he was he was. I mean, but, but again, I don't. I ain't never had to look for clothes in them sizes. You know what I'm saying? So like, I don't really be judging him. Y'all need to be glad his little ass ain't come out there in a sailor suit. Like I don't know what else. I don't know what I don't know what else fits. Right? Like, yo, I'm gonna go take some pictures. What, what do I wear? They bring out a sailor suit. Like, that's, you know, that, that, that's kind of where it is. But no, nah, got Luda out there. Luda, who, trust me, Luda been salty if he ain't get out there. Because Luda's like, my career actually merits this just as well as Ursh's does. But neither here nor there. Um, Lil John came out there. That was what's up. That was what's up. I was like out there for the very beginning on him. That was what's up. Her came out there playing that guitar. Somebody on this show may or may not have said she was out here looking like Prince with that guitar. We'll keep his name safe for the uh, audience. Under the sea. We will keep his name under the sea. That is where we will keep his name. It's under the sea. Talk about she looked like Prince. I was like, I mean, her, I mean, I, I didn't know. Was her hair, was, was, her, was her perm bouncing like that? You know what I'm saying? But anyway, thought of she was good. However, guys. Oh, somebody said that Alicia Keys could have had all of his money. Sean, I saw a very funny tweet about Usher, Usher and Alicia Keys. And I can't tell you what it was over the air, but I'm going to send it to you. And I think that it will make you laugh a lot um, when you see it. I'll try to keep my mic off not to disrupt the show. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. I want you to keep the mic on 
when you see it because sometimes like i need you i need you to be able to share uh what the funny is with what i'm sharing here oh here it is my bad i couldn't find it for a second yeah it's just it's just a little bit too too far for me to say myself but all right it should be coming to you right now um but anyway I think Usher got some <laughs> legitimate beef. <laughs> it's pretty funny, wasn't it? Oh, it's was pretty funny. I won't like or retweet it, but I'm laughing my ass off. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, so I don't know if you guys remember this, but in the year 2013, Kanye was putting out the Yeezus album, right? And there was a lot of promotion around the Yeezus album. No need for us to litigate the quality of the Yeezus album, but the Yeezus album was coming out. All right. And this is after Watch the Throne. And I feel like it's kind of around the time. We're not really sure what the relationship is with Kanye and Jay-Z. But one thing we know about Jay-Z is when is it ever not all about Jay-Z? Right. So anyway, it is a Sunday. I want to say that Sunday is before game five of the NBA Finals between the Heat and the Spurs. It's a Sunday, and that Yeezus is coming out on Tuesday because that's back when records still came out on Tuesday. Okay, That Yeezus is set to come out on Tuesday. It's the biggest thing going in music. Yeezus is coming out on Tuesday, and we watching the game, and what do we see? A Samsung commercial for Magna Carta, Holy Grail, the new Jay-Z album that wasn't even good, but the new Jay-Z album. And suddenly all the discussion is about Jay-Z putting out a new tape. Kanye, we thought was his mans. We thought the tape was cool. All about that, right? So fast forward to this Super Bowl. Your man, Ursh, get up there, does an excellent halftime show. He was on fire. Everybody thought he was on fire. Again, even somebody like me who finds him to be silly and pointy-headed thought that he was on fire, right? He was out there doing the thing. And then after he get off stage, it's a Verizon commercial. And it's Beyonce in the Verizon commercial. And it's Beyonce talking about breaking the internet and then gets to the end and says, well, fine. Guess we got to drop that new music on them. And people went from looking up them Usher tickets to going to see where this new Beyonce music is. Just like that, the discussion went away from talking about Usher to talk about Beyonce got new music out. It had the audacity to make it country music. If I'm Usher, I'm calling Jay-Z like, dog, y'all don't care about nobody, do y'all? Y'all, y'all couldn't let me have the night. The night. Y'all couldn't let me have the night. And this would make it even worse. Let me tell you who don't need no Super Bowl to pump up a new tape coming out. Beyonce. Beyonce don't need none of this to make none of this happen. It is completely unnecessary. She could have let Usher have a couple of days and they could have done something. Be Beyonce put that put that lemonade thing on HBO and all they told us is that Beyonce gonna be on. That was 10 years ago. Beyonce gonna be on. That's all we knew. Beyonce gonna be on. And we showed up for what it was. What none of what not now bit of that necessary. Y'all be like Beyonce is such a benevolent queen. Nah, man. Beyonce is married to Jay-Z. The Jay-Z, by the way, that books the Super Bowl halftime show. That's all I'm saying. He knew they he knew they could have had Usher let him. They could have let Usher have that moment. He could have let his own clients have that moment. Instead, boom, Beyonce dropped them tapes. And 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 my question is, Sean, was it an attempt by Beyonce in part to one up uh Taylor Swift a little bit? You know, it's funny because they had both gone to each other's movies and concerts and they made it a big thing of like Beyonce and Taylor Swift hanging out. But I mean, it, this, the signs are there if Beyonce is going to put out a country record. I mean, the only thing that's left now, time for uh, Kim Kardashian to put a naked picture on the Internet. Ain't that normally how this work? All right. Isn't that normally how this battle back and forth goes? 
Um, under these circumstances, well, yeah, yeah, nah, game was peak. As for the songs themselves, they are interesting to me. Like, I don't need to go over the top in one direction or another. And I'm very clear about this. I don't listen to that much country music. I'm big into my man Waylon Jennings. I'm into my man Sturgill. I ain't really got that much more for you. I got a couple Willie Nelson records at the house, but I don't really know. Like, this is not where my background is the greatest. However, I will say this, and this is just me, personal taste. I like the way the Raphael Sadiq songs sound. I tend to like the way that his songs feel. I don't typically like him that much as a lyricist. I find him to be a little too on the nose at points. Girl, give me all your loving. Girl, I'll do all the rubbing. You know what I mean? Like I just, I, I find him to be a very on the nose sort of songwriter. That's just not, that's just not necessarily my speed. Number two, I don't like, and this is just, again, my own personal taste. I do not really enjoy listening to people sing um, vulgarities. I don't mind hearing people say them. I don't mind hearing people rap them. I don't really enjoy hearing people sing cuss words. I just don't, I just don't really dig that. Um, Beyonce does that a lot. Like that's been one of my criticisms of the last like three or four of the Beyonce albums is like that ape shit song bang, but I don't want to, that's not what I, that's not what I want to hear from her. That's me personally. I don't want to hear that from her. It's kind of like how when vibrant thing came out from Q-tip, it was banging, but that was not really what we wanted to hear from Q-tip. Right. But anyway, the the country songs that she's putting out and look if she's putting out a country album i am very interested in hearing it like what i have hoped to get from her is interesting stuff right like i don't need big i don't need outsized i want to hear interesting music from her i would much rather hear her do something like Nas is done with that hit boy dude where okay i got me a producer i'm working with i don't have to get an army of people to work on every track i'm just going to go with this one person and we gonna go over and like intimately create a bunch of music. Like I, I would like to hear that from her more than I would like to hear her take this off to like a whole nother stratosphere and keep making it bigger and bigger and bigger and more epic. To me, that's where Michael Jackson went wrong is it just kept going. It kept getting more epic. And then it became like harder to feel. Beyonce, much to her credit, though, as the stuff has gotten more epic, has also made it still feel really intimate. Like that's a really tough game to play, but she's managed to put that to pull that off. But if she make a country record, I'll be interesting to hear it. I just want to see who she work on with it. Because to be honest, if you do a whole country album with Raphael Sadiq, one might call that cultural appropriation. You know, but I've gone through the credits. She seemed to have like some uh, legit folk, like l people who make country music who are on there. So if that's what she wants to do, I want to see it. I appreciate her being willing to take the chance of making the country music in the first place. I'll be curious if she takes some chances within the country. I would also love if I found out that somehow they put a call in to my man Sturgill and worked on it. I seemed like something that he might be trying down to pull off. Somebody said they want a Dolly Parton collabo. Not unless you're putting Dolly Parton in a time machine. Like, that, like honestly, a, a Dolly Parton collaboration, if it's not Dolly Parton writing the song and Beyonce singing it, I'm not really interested in that because I feel like that would be, like, that's what you do to get the song sold in Target. Like, that would feel a level of schmaltzy to me, personally, that I wouldn't want to get down on. But, here I go. Could have been Usher's day. Talk about Beyonce. And don't you think for a second that that was by accident. Prize Picks is the most fun you can have by winning up to 25 times your money. And with football season over, you can still win money with basketball and hockey. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. You can pick combo projections across multiple sports from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. And if you stick around for the end of the show, you'll get to hear some picks from our producer, Sean, that can either help you win or make you fail miserably. So make sure you go to prizepicks.com slash Bomani and use code Bomani for a first deposit matchup to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash Bomani. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Prize picks. 
Experiences are what people love the most about travel. I recently went to Toronto to experience the city, eat good food, check out Niagara Falls. Now, as somebody who loves to travel and explore new places, Viator has been the perfect app for me. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like museum tours or restaurant experiences. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience at Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. We know you can't be on top of all the news and information of the day. No need for the social media feeds. We got you. Now, if you haven't heard. My God, I got dudes in the chat. Everybody does silly songs, even Michael Jackson. Stop hating, bro. When did you stop being allowed to say that you personally don't like something? That's all I'm trying to figure out. When did you get to say everybody got silly songs? Okay. And when not everybody feel like they got to do all them silly ass songs in concert. I just watched the Michael Jackson concert in Romania where he wore the jetpack out of there. He ain't play none of the silly songs, right? Show me where Usher got man in the goddamn mirror. Show, show, show me one Usher song that sound like man in the mirror. When I was, I look. I ain't know what the dudes was putting on the Usher capes. All right. I'm going to just say that right now. Like you, I, I mean, and you know what? And maybe that ain't a dude. Maybe I'm wrong here. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Dude said Bomani is having the epiphany that he and Usher are the same age and Bomani can't do any of those moves. I could never do any of those moves. What are you talking about? You, th- you think it took till 2024 for me to be like, damn, I can't dance like Usher. If I, I'm going to be honest with y'all. If I could dance like Usher. I don't know who that woman is at your house, but she wouldn't be. Let's move on. All right, Bo. Uh, our first story on If You Haven't Heard Today is on the diamond industry. My name is Amanda Mole, and I'm a staff writer at The Atlantic. I'm here to tell you about my new story, Diamonds Are Too Perfect for Their Own Good. If you've been in the market for any jewelry in the past like five or so years, and especially an engagement ring, you've probably been offered lab diamonds, and they probably seemed a little bit too good to be true. Lab diamonds are everywhere now. According to one estimate, as much as 40% of the engagement rings sold in the U.S. last year held lab stones, which represents like a really, really huge shift in the traditional diamond business. Um, These stones like basically didn't exist on the market at all as recently as like 15 years ago. And lab diamonds are real diamonds. Chemically and physically, they're identical to their mined counterparts. Uh, A jeweler can't look into his loop and tell uh, whether your diamond came out of a mine or out of a lab. But they speed up that process to like a matter of weeks or months, and they do it in a factory instead of deep within the earth. Um, That means a lot of different manufacturers have been able to flood the market with these types of stones in all shapes and sizes in the past few years. As a result, Diamonds, long a market managed by a price-fixing cartel called the De Beers Corporation, are no longer even plausibly rare. They were never really rare, but like not even plausibly anymore. They're everywhere and they're not very expensive. Thanks to oversupply, the wholesale price of lab diamonds has crashed even just in a few years. An average one carat stone cost more than $1,700 in 2018, and it would go for a little over $160 today. That's like more than 90% of its value gone. Lots of people have predicted that lab diamonds are the end of the traditional diamond industry as we know it, and I can see why they think that. If a diamond engagement ring is a public avatar for a couple's social status, then they'll always want one that's a little bit bigger and brighter than their lot in life might really afford them. If anyone can have a huge diamond, then it no longer has any power. Why pay more for a mined version of the same thing if not even a jeweler with a loop can tell the difference? But I think that prediction is wrong. I think lab diamonds will end up a boon to the jewelry industry overall. Less expensive lab diamonds will attract younger, lower income people to find jewelry and induce demand for more of it, getting more people into the habit of buying gemstones. As those buyers become more prosperous, they'll go looking for things that are considered fancier and rarer, leading them directly to the mined diamonds that these products claim to undercut. And I think she is correct. Because in the end, the point 
is not simply to have an attractive diamond. The point is to have a diamond that look like it costs a lot of money. And when the diamonds don't look like that, the purpose has been defeated. Sean, was you about to say something? Yes, I was. I remember you commented I got engaged in November and you were oh, okay, like... okay, cool. We can tell that story. We can tell that story. I'm going to go ahead and do it, okay? Yeah, let's do it. Congratulations, by the way, again to Sean. Sean has gotten engaged. I met his uh, lovely fiance, Christine, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. There we go. And so I looked at the picture that Sean put up. And let me tell you something, boy. That rock was powerful. That rock, that rock was hitting, and I had to ask Sean. I was like, "Yo, what, what, what wave paying in these streets, baby? I ain't never worked nowhere where no producer could get his woman no rock like that. I ain't no, you know, maybe y'all got money in the old country. I ain't had no idea where that paper was coming from. And then Sean told me it was a lab diamond, and I was like, "Good for you that you got a woman." That was good with that. Yeah, she told me exactly what she wanted. She says, I don't want any blood on my diamond. And, uh, you know, for me, the price being what it was, I was like, yeah, I'll get you a, a lab diamond. <laughs> Say less. Yo, we need more of her because I don't know if it's going to be a little different with these Zoomers and these millennials. I have no idea. But I'm here to tell you all them principles about the blood diamonds and everything else. They go out the window when it's about her getting that diamond. Like, I remember that time I was in the I think I'm going to buy a diamond, uh, whatever, and I made the point about the lab diamonds and said maybe that was the way to go as opposed to the, let's be honest, ones that cost more money. And uh, let me tell you something. It wasn't all just about cut, color, and clarity no more. No, sir, Rebob. They want to feel like you done felt some pain to get that diamond not all of them but some of them it's a lot of them if you ain't the point is to look like you spent a lot of money and so they gonna have to figure out ways to make it look like you spent a lot of money this is in line with what we was talking about last week about this society if the diamond no longer looks like you spent a lot of money then they gonna find some way on top of that diamond to make it look like you spent a lot of money that being said I know this next part may make me seem like a hypocrite, but uh, your boy Robert Griffin showed up at the party and he showed up with his wife. And it was very nice to meet her. She seemed like a very lovely lady. And I looked at that ring she had, boy, man, them diamonds was crip walking in the light. God damn. I could not believe that. And let me tell you something. If that thing right there came out of lab, everybody need to go get that because that thing was out here. I love it. It was moving, boy. I could not believe what it was doing. It was popping and locking. It, it was making all kinds of moves. Good graces. And that room was dark. It was super dark. And I thought the same thing i was like that's all i'm seeing right now <laughs> yes yes but i'm gonna tell you this right now if, if what they saying is and i didn't really know this before um, what, what uh amanda said was that they can't even put on the loop the the, the uh the the eye joint they can't if the loop can't tell this lab diamond hey man don't answer what she asked where you got it from you know she gonna need to go get it insured let her go work all that stuff out on her own and let her expose herself why you why, why, why got to spend a lot of money, greedy ass? Moving on. All right, Bo, our next one is how uh, it's tough to be a sellout in this industry. Hi, my name's Rebecca Jennings, and I'm a senior correspondent at Vox covering internet culture. I recently wrote about the labor of self-promotion and the imperative that if you want to be any kind of artist or author, you've got to devote a serious amount of time to building an online platform. Essentially, we're all sellouts now. But what this piece is really about is the tension between big tech, which claims it's democratizing culture by making it so that theoretically anyone can get their work seen and anyone can go viral, and the model of the culture industry that existed in the second half of the 20th century, where artists were siloed from the business side of things by publishing houses and record companies. That model is still alive to an extent, but the burden of marketing is now almost entirely on individual artists. And the ones who end up succeeding aren't necessarily the best, but the ones who are really skilled at marketing themselves, sometimes at the expense of their art. One musician I talked to, Ricky Montgomery, told me of the experience of building his TikTok following, you're becoming a great marketer for a product which is less and less good. Music or film or fiction has never been a meritocracy, and it's always been pretty difficult to make a living off of doing it. The difference is that before, at least some people were getting rich off their art in the form of royalties and sales. That's all been decimated by big tech. Where it's left artists is on a hamster wheel of constantly posting online in the hopes that someone will care. 
And even if you do win the virality jackpot, you're kind of stuck on this ride forever. Thanks for reading. I just want to throw this out here. Marketing and selling out, not the same thing. Selling out, always bad. Always bad. Period. Not a good thing. We all got to stand for something out here in this world. And I feel like if you, like, and Sean, I think we talked about this the other day, I, how I feel about people who call when they do content, right? And ain't no art in it whatsoever, right? There's nothing there. You don't think it was your work or anything like that. It's just content. It's just shit throw up on the internet. And I do think that's what a lot of people just think this is. Find something that trips over in the algorithm and then go from there. But there is nothing wrong and there never has been anything wrong with marketing your work. But if you make your work only for the fact that it'll sell, and that's the only part that you care about, you're a buster. Yeah, it's crazy seeing how many people just make content for the sake of making content, like Rebecca said, of the hope to go viral. Whereas I think we think the same way is like make the good thing. And if it goes viral, great. But you're making something that you love and you're passionate about. Right. Like, come on, man. Somebody, something's got to matter, right? All right, well, we can move on. The next, uh, if you haven't heard story, is about YouTube and the streaming wars. Hi, I am Peter Kafka. I'm the chief correspondent at Business Insider. And today I wanted to talk to you about YouTube and how in addition to being the world's largest video site, it is now one of the biggest cable TV companies in the U.S. That's because YouTube has something called YouTube TV. It costs about 70 bucks a month and it delivers all the things you used to get from cable TV. Now it has more than 8 million subscribers. For context, Comcast and Charter are the two biggest pay TV companies. They've got about 14 million subscribers each. DirecTV has 11 million. But those companies are all losing subscribers, and YouTube TV is growing. So that's interesting, but more interesting to me is the road YouTube took getting here. Because for a long time, YouTube and Google, which owns YouTube, wanted to take over traditional TV, but they didn't want to be a traditional TV company. So they tried all kinds of ways to break into TV with while being a smart tech company instead of a slow, outdated TV company. They tried selling ads. They tried building software to run TV sets. They spent money trying to get people to make their own TV-style shows for YouTube. None of that worked. So in 2017, YouTube started selling bundles of TV channels, just like Comcast and Charter and everyone else. And they must think it's working because they keep spending more money on it. Last year, they got the rights to the NFL Sunday ticket package, that's something that they had looked at years earlier and passed on. So they seem committed to this stuff. Regular YouTube, by the way, is still very much a thing. Last quarter, the company sold more than $9 billion in ads for regular YouTube. But people still watch and pay for regular TV. So YouTube has decided to meet them where they are. Okay, you can read that whole article on Business Insider. Thanks. Boy, Sean, one of my favorite things to hear people talk about is how they a tech company everybody's a tech company. When's the last time you heard about a new company that wasn't a tech company? Everything, oh, we're not a TV company. That's da-da-da. We're a tech company. Nobody can even tell me what that means anymore, right? Now, not that YouTube isn't a tech company. It obviously makes sense that it would be a tech company. I just laugh every time I hear that. I'm like, yep, everybody is a tech company. There's somebody right now who just bought a dump truck talking about I got a tech company. I had to describe this company, Wave Sports, the first couple of years as a tech company. And we don't do any tech. I got news for you. Nobody ever told me the words, this is a tech company. And I knew good and damn well, this was a tech company. Let me tell you something. Any, any company with a name like Wave, they a tech company in every <laughs> meeting they go in. I, I'm sorry, fellas. I hope I'm not giving the game away to any of my bosses who matter. But come on now, everybody a tech company. Right, everybody a tech company, just like every press conference when a new coach comes in. Oh, yeah, we're going to be multiple. We're going to be multiple. Today's uh, voicemail was about the game is cheating. Uh, a lot of video game uh, voicemails Sean, 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 in. Sean, 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 Sean. The game cheating. There's no is. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Game, game cheating. Game cheating. It's cool. It's cool. I understand. I understand. It's not your fault. I just wanted to clarify. Game cheating. All right. Here's the first one on uh, Kobe and NBA 2K. Hey, Bo. This is Isaac. So I got a story for the time where the game was cheating me the worst. So. Okay, this is like, um, I want to say early 2000s. Um, I'm playing NBA 2K with my nephew, and there's about a seven-year age gap between us. And up until this point, you know, I was the better one at video games. You know, I pretty much dominated all the video games because I was like a teenager when he was like a kid growing up. So 
cut to this point, I'm like early 20s. He's a teenager now. We're playing 2K, and this is the one with uh, Kobe on the front. So, of course, in the game, you know, Kobe is the highest-rated player. You know, he has all the good stats. So my nephew, he picks the Lakers. He has Kobe. I'm playing against him, and, you know, every time Kobe comes down, he's just, like, making everything. He's, you know, dunking on everybody. He's hitting every shot, and it's getting kind of ridiculous. So uh, fast forward to, like, the end of the game, um, he's just racking up points. I think he has, like, you know, 60 or 70 in the third quarter, and he starts to brag, like, oh, he almost scored 100. And I'm like, there's no way you scoring 100 on me. So, you know, I'm throwing everything at him, every defense, double teaming. Doesn't make a difference. Kobe is scoring on every time down the floor. So we get to the end of the game. He ends up getting getting a couple of shots, getting up to, like, 98 points. And, you know, I'm just, like, shaking my head in disbelief. Like, I can't believe that I'm about to let, you know, my nephew, who I'm, like, better at, video games then score a hundred points on me in the basketball game. And so he's getting ready like to hit the the shot to go up and, you know, score a hundred points and I just get up and turn off the game <laughs> drop the controls and like, no, I'm not letting this happen. So like I don't care what happens, this game is cheating. I'm not playing it no more. I just cut the game off and uh the sad thing is ever since then he's pretty much been better at video games than me. But, yeah, that, that one time the game was really cheating and I had to turn it off. <laughs> All right, thanks for the, you didn't. Uh, for listening. Keep up the good work. You didn't have to turn it off. You got, wow, you got up and turned, as a grown man, you got up and turned it off. Oh, nah, you whack. You whack. You whack. I was hoping to sympathize with you. I can't. You whack. You whack. I hope that young man beat the brakes off you every time y'all play. He already scored 98. What's an extra two points? Fair. Fair. You know, I got to draw the line somewhere, though. Uh, now, that part I do understand. Right? Right? Got to draw the line somewhere. All right, but we got another game cheating story on Madden. Hey, Bomani. It's Alan uh, from Houston. I had a great video game cheating story. Uh, remember back in the day, uh, they used to have an NCAA football game, um, and I would always create myself as a player and making myself a six foot five quarterback with a 95 speed and like a 99 arm and the most athletic freak of nature. Think like Don McNabb meets Michael Vick meets Dan Marino all in the one thing. That's what I created myself as. And what you can do is later export yourself to Madden once you graduated. And my best friend, Wilbert, uh, saw that I made myself a 99-rated quarterback and without me noticing, decided to change my health attribute to zero. And then halfway through my rookie season on Madden, I broke my hip, the Bo Jackson injury, and my career was over with on Madden. And that was how my friend got back at me for cheating. So... Great story. Um, love what you guys do, and uh, thanks a lot. You broke your hip. Did I hear that? Yeah, I didn't even know they did those injuries in Madden. He broke his hip. Wow. 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 Damn. Yeah, let's get to that next one. Damn. Hey, bro, money, man. This is Burley from Texas, man. Long time listener. Love you stuff, bro. I've got to tell you about the time the game was cheating, dog. I was in a Madden League, man, and we were playing, you know, with each other online, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Get to the championship game, bro. The dude that I was supposed to play against, he can't play, so i got to play against the computer. You know, computer on our Mac. At the time, this was, shoot, this was about 10 years ago, 10, 15 years. So it was the Patriots, you know, that I'm playing against the Patriots. That, auto, that automatically right there to let you know the game going to cheat. All right. We get down. Um, <laughs> I'm down by, you know, like three, four, you know, trying to drive to win the last-minute game. So, bro, I called a spike ball. Spike ball. You know, you hold circle so you can spike the ball, you know, instead of using the timeout. Bro, tell me why I spiked the ball. Vince Wilford, big six foot twelve, four hundred and ninety-three thousand 493,000-pound Vince Winford. Winford. I just said, now, Wilford. Bro, tell me why this man dove and intercepted my spike, bro. I'm driving, trying to win the game. Vince Wilford dove 
and intercepted the spike pass, dog. How? Bo Money, tell me how, bro. When I can tell you I had to buy another controller, man, yeah, I had to jump on Craigslist buy another controller. This my this man is my kind of man, and I say that because the other cats sounded like they had made peace with what had happened in that story. Not this guy, no sir, Bob. He had made zero peace with this. He still feels the pain of what is taking place. Still feels the pain of that, and I feel the pain for you too, Vince. Will damn dog, that's rough. That's rough. Your pain is felt. But hey. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time, a Wave Sports and Entertainment original presented by Prize Pick. Speaking of Prize Pick, Sean, you got picks for the people? I do. Now we're deep into the NBA season, so I'm going to take Kyrie Irving, 21 and a half points. I'll take more there. Victor Wembenyama, 36 and a half points, rebounds, and assists. I'll take more there. And Brandon Miller, three and a half rebounds. I'll take more there. All right, there we go. That is the where you do the right time three times a week. Sean, you handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Also, thank you to our, if you haven't heard, contributors. Thanks to Rebecca Jennings of Vox. Check out her story on how everybody's a sellout now at Vox.com. Thanks to Amanda Mull of The Atlantic. Check out her story about how lab diamonds are too perfect for their own good at TheAtlantic.com. And thanks to Peter Kafka of Insider. Check out his story on how a new sports streamer will change TV as we know it at BusinessInsider.com. Remember, follow the right time. Subscribe, like, rate us, review us. Give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. We'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. 